Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod Church Construction Edition. <laughs> this is Reverend Elaine and Reverend Gretchen, and we're coming to you live, but actually recorded from the uh, construction site here in Foothills. Gretchen, what do you see? Oh, wow. Well, I have been calling this the church-sized hole <laughs> because it is, they've been digging and digging and digging here on our uh, west ish side the um that this hole and tell it's there they seem to be kind of concluded in the digging part so that now i assume it's the size of a church the new church (laughs) yeah i think for any toddlers or um machine loving people out there we have at least two digging machines and a dirt pushing machine and a crane with people on it right now yeah, and um, quite a bit of exposed, like, cement and um, then some, like, sticks in the ground, which I've been imagining are, like, places where they're going to end up putting the found new foundation. And, and there's lots of mach- You can hear the machines and um, beeping and all of that, but it's under construction. So, Gretchen, what comes to mind when you walk out and behold this scene? Well, I have been, um, at pretty much every time I come to church, come to the physical campus, I come out and take a look at it because there's something about this um, construction site that feels like the perfect analogy of where we're at as a church <laughs> right now. And in that, um, what I've been saying is, oh, the... The church is coming undone on purpose. <laughs> We're literally um, un, uh, in dem- we've been in demo mode for the last uh, few weeks. And there's something about that that feels really uh, fitting for this emerging post-pandemic time as we're really trying to, to figure out who we are and what our next version of ourselves is. And... There's something about looking at this site and this big open space that feels right for the kind of imaginative work we need to, we're, we're called to right now. And the big open possibilities of our future, I think. Um, and then also as each day, something more, something more is happening, reminds us like this is not something that's going to be done tomorrow. And it's not going to be done even like we'll have Christmas and it still won't be done. We'll have New Year's. It still won't be done. We'll have Easter and it still won't be done. So it helps me get in the mindset like we are. We are uh, in a time of church life where we're called to imagine and build and rebuild and construct. But it's it, for a future that is is not next Sunday or even six Sundays from now, we're, we're imagining something, we're preparing for something that's further out. And that's something that I think we don't really give ourselves the luxury of doing all that often. We often are in the mode of, okay, what can we do by next month? What can we do by Christmas? And instead, this invites us to think, you know, more broadly, more imaginatively about a bigger, longer term future. I totally feel that. And I think when I look out at this construction, it feels so hopeful and energizing and like I love the imaginative project here and it is a liminal in between time at church but it's different 
from what we were doing a year ago, two years ago, just kind of trying to survive, make do for now, figure out something that works in the very short term. And this is a very different energy, really dreaming for the long term, dreaming for the next generation. Uh, yeah, and I think about up. like how we we have been trying to dig this hole for um, <laughs> like 15 years. And <laughs> finally, we're actually digging. We've dug it. Yes. And so I think there is a kind of turning the corner piece of this kind of like the coming out of the pandemic. Right. Like we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And we are still in, like you said, a liminal between. But it's a different liminal between where we're making some choices and we're we're starting to see what's emerging and we're starting to like people are are, we're starting to build some different partnerships and different ministries and imagine what's possible and even as we you know are building on years decades of uh people dreaming of this moment in and of itself yeah what are you noticing in the people and in the culture of Foothills right now? What feels distinct about this particular moment? Mm. I think that um, it's been surprising to me how we we kind of forget um, how to do church. And even though like things that we knew really easily and automatically pre-pandemic, we're having to re remember. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some of the most basic things that I think we took for granted pre-pandemic aren't easy. And some of that is because we have a lot of new people that have joined us since the pandemic and they they can't remember what they weren't here for. Right. And so some of them are learning for the very first time. And even by changing, I would say, you know, I think we probably have 30% on a given Sunday that are in that boat. So even by changing that number of folks within our body, that you are learning like entire new partnerships. And I think our brains are very tired from the pandemic. So that things that are relearn, learning and remembering, it we might even be excited about returning, but we're kind of, we're tired. And so it can be hard and it's hard to, to feel like we have the energy or the mental capacity to um to learn and remember and it can our tolerance and for um that process is lower than I think and our we can um be more reactive mm-hmm. we can be more anxious about wanting it to be settled even though it's not settled yet which is why again like I think the building this construction is so helpful to look at because it reminds us that that we're not we're still under construction yeah. and that even though especially for those of us that are returning to this familiar space that theoretically we've been doing this for you know almost 125 years now that actually we're in a whole new construction and it's okay that we don't have it figured out and we it's okay that we're actually uh kind of clumsy and um that we can care for each other in this time where we're not it's not built yet and so that's, I think, um, there's a lot of energy for what's possible, but also a lot of weariness from the past few years that's left over. So it's having some, uh, we need to have some patience for the process and some compassion for ourselves and that fatigue that I think is very real. I can really relate to that weariness personally, and I feel some relief in the long term nature of 
the congregational church mm-hmm. project, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, it is a day to day and Sunday to Sunday endeavor. And, you know, we're in this for the long haul. So I want to and I think that the um, that there is some there's an analogy that's to like part of like life, not church, but just all of life in that that I think we are that's pandemic put us in the mindset that we are always having to think about the most immediate future and always having to kind of pivot and rethink. And so this part of what I, again, love about the looking at this big construction site is it reminds us that actually it's okay for us to not, we don't have to think about just next week. We can start to make a bigger plan and imagine something that's longer term and we can go slow and not have things figured out for tomorrow or next week, we actually could take our time. And I think that's something we lost the capacity for during the pandemic because of our short, our timing had to always be about what's, okay, pivot and think about tomorrow or next week or even the next few hours. So I think there's really a gift for us at, you know, in life for us to just step back and go, it's, a, we can take a breath and we don't have to have everything figured out. We might be clumsy for quite a while. And that's okay, because we can start to make a plan that's a longer-term plan. Well, speaking of pivoting and doing the right thing for the moment, <laughs> this past Sunday, we had an off-site Water Communion Sunday and an online Water Communion Sunday at the Drake Center, which was new for us. It was a big project, and we all took a moment to celebrate that it is going to be our last off-site water communion Amen. for a long time. <laughs> but we had, Gretchen, you delivered an awesome message there. And I'm wondering, could you just set up for the listener? What did it feel? You were in the Drake Center space. What did that space feel like? What was the setting like as you um, prepared to lead that service? Um, well, it was our, uh, it was a I don't know, we're like, we're not sure of the count, but it felt like a very full room of lots of adults and children, children that were enjoying in all of the big space and um, that were gathered. And we had these uh, wonderful live singers that anchored the whole service, um, a group of church members that, um, and we really haven't heard from that kind of small group live singing experience since like 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just hearing their beautiful music was echoing through the whole space and um, it just was a, ce- a celebratory feel, a joyous feel of being together, all anchored by the possible um, lots and lots of pre-work, like you said, of of bringing us into that space and making sure that all the details were work- worked out together. And a big shout out to Jen Powell and Eleanor Van Dusen, who took the lead on that and did an amazing job. So we're going to transition now to Gretchen's sermon from this past Sunday's water communion service. And then we'll come back for more conversation with Gretchen to kind of unpack the themes of this homily. And here's a little teaser. You can also stay tuned to find out why is Reverend Gretchen so at home on a construction site. But first, let's turn towards the sermon. It was an oppressively hot July morning. In 1864, when Pastor Robert Lowry wrote what would become the popular hymn, Shall We Gather at the River? 
See, in those days, talk of a civil war was not a threat made by someone in a, on a far-right news channel, but a reality, a reality that had been, it had been the reality for the past three years and had brought much death and destruction with no end in that moment yet in sight. Pastor Lowry was exhausted and overwhelmed, and he was dreaming of a future beyond the current world. He imagined a beautiful, peaceful world, a, a place where everyone could be gathered around the crystal clear waters in the great river of life. The river was for him a place of unity and celebration and renewal. In Christian imagery, the river is a place of baptism and new life. In American history, the river is a symbol of freedom and escape from bondage. The question of the title, shall we gather at the river, and the call Lowry intended in his song was not just that we would gather, but that we would gather as one, with gratitude and celebration and joy for the life that we share. Now, despite there are a number of renditions of this song that kind of slow and somber today, the original music, as he wrote it, was a march. Because as he later described, he wanted to imply the energy, commitment, and joy required for and inspired by the experience of uniting around a common purpose. Shall we gather at the river? In January of this coming year, we, Foothills, we will celebrate our 125th anniversary, which means that before March of 2020, we had gathered as our central activity for about 6,100 Sundays. 6,000. And still, none of these gatherings, we had this constancy of gatherings, were exactly the same twice. Like the river Sunday to Sunday, we are always in motion. And across decades, whole shorelines might shift, or to speak literally in this moment, whole mounds of dirt might be unearthed so that we can create a new church-sized hole. If you have not been to our campus, our physical campus recently, you might not realize when I was speaking about where we are under construction and there is literally a church sized hole being dug. In those early days of, of the pandemic, we knew that we could not gather as we had, but that did not mean that we could not or should not gather at all. And so just like we have in small and sometimes seismic ways over the years, we shifted and moved and transformed, first by gathering online, which for many of us, let's be honest, was a steep and often clumsy learning curve. A learning curve that taught us, though, more than just how to use Zoom or how to turn our phones horizontally, was also a lesson, maybe more importantly, in community. And the ways that we can grow in relationship, even through screens, Breakout groups and chalice lightings and submitted videos and chat prayers, all of those of us who gathered online 
found a greater intimacy and a sense of being personally connected in some ways even more so than we had during before the pandemic when we were totally in person. Now, beyond those online gatherings, the pandemic also led us to uh, gather in circles and then in other small groups that were both formal and sometimes informal. Those of us who grew up in the Christian tradition will remember the idea from the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered, God is there. Or maybe you might say love is there. Small groups and gatherings invite us to experience this truth firsthand, especially when we commit and keep showing up with the same people over and over, as so many of you, many of us, did through this pandemic. That routine of gathering is like any spiritual discipline where our bodies start to ready us to be more open and awake and connected. And at a really practical level, the small gatherings can be the place where we can be truly known and where we can know others so that when the tangled blessing of life comes our way, as it always will, we will have someone to lean on and grow with, a place to grieve, a place to cultivate joy and gratitude through it all. Church consultant Carrie Newhoff spoke recently about the changes in churches after COVID. He said, we need to pay attention to the ways that church community now is both declining and decentralizing because the two are not the same. You can be scattered, that's the decentralizing. You can be scattered, but still have a deep sense of connection and interdependence across a greater whole that greater river of life, change and changing, but in that one great flow. Or you, your separations, your decentralization, can just simply be separate, a bunch of distinct and self-loyal subgroups. What's confusing about is that the experience of these two things, declining and decentralizing, can feel exactly the same. Decentralization can feel like decline when you can't see each other. It's hard to know if people are missing or just connecting in from a different place. What's important is that while declining community eventually leads to no community, which means it's a problem to be solved, decentralized community can actually be a strength. That is an adaptation and transformation of community that signals not an end, but a new beginning the river in motion. Gary Newhoff was talking about church, but I think his ideas apply also in other parts of our lives. As our worlds shrunk for safety and during the pandemic and new habits grew for who we interact with and how, while at the same time polarization reached a peak and our bubbles turned into shrink wrap, of confirmation bias and tribal loyalties. All the while, our long-held skepticism of institutions leveled up as it became less and less clear what and who is worthy of our trust and loyalty and investment other than the personal relationships with a handful of people, family, friends, who we know really well and who know us. And that is if we are lucky enough to have that handful of people. 
loneliness was already a pervasive problem and a threat to our individual health and the health of our republic. As with many things, the pandemic revealed and then accelerated what was already true. All of these trends mean that over these years, people's engagement with one another and our sense of community as a whole society has both decentralized and declined. Shall we gather at the river? Once again, friends, we come to our annual water communion. And once again, the river is changing, and we are changing. The physical place for our gathering is coming undone, literally and on purpose. And our online ways of gathering, we're still trying to find our next new form. The river is in motion. We are in motion. All the while, our groups and teams continue to flourish. New ones are emerging and existing ones are finding their next new form as well. Those, as we find the balance of Zoom gatherings, in-person gatherings, asynchronous gatherings, shared experience gatherings, and then the best ways to apply all those lessons of relationship and personalized connection that we learned so well in the last few years. After all that has been displaced and disrupted, we, the Foothills community, are still gathering, maybe now more than ever. The challenge for our time, our challenge in this moment and our invitation is to find ways for all these different gatherings, sometimes very small, sometimes not so small, all of these different bursts of love and care and shared learning and service and music making, all these different ways of gathering to feed back into a shared stream. And in turn, for each of us, wherever we are, to be fed by the river that is the body of our one community, our shared mission, and that one life. So the blessing we receive wherever we are is also the blessing we give and then the blessing we receive, and so on, and so on, the river flows. In September, with our return to services and our fuller offerings as a church, it is always a good time to remind ourselves of that greater stream and our larger whole, our larger mission, our greater history, and for all of us to consider once again the promise that we are making to one another in that greater sense, and, and also our promise to life itself. This year, as we mark that 125th year anniversary, as we more fully emerge out of the pandemic, it is especially important to consider again our shared promises to each other, ourselves, and to the greater spirit of life. And to commit ourselves, remember, the song is a march to remember that there must be that drive, that promise that brings us together in that shared gathering. In these days of disconnection, 
Let us be the ones who choose shared community. In these days of separation, let us be the ones who reclaim a deeper unity. And in these days where so many feel hopeless or on the edge of despair, let us be the ones who lead us all to the river, that place of celebration, joy, and gratitude, that place of unity and blessing. Let us know there our connectedness, our oneness with all of life. As we ceaselessly change, we let go, and we begin again. May it be so. Amen. Gretchen, thank you for such a beautiful message. I have a question that I feel a little funny leading with, but it's really what's on my mind as your sermon concluded, which is how do we know when decentralized groups or experiences at church cross that line over into decline? I think when groups are not finding ways to, to, to um, connect back in, then when, when they are just dispersed experiences, separate experiences, then that transitions from decentralized into disengage, truly disengaged, as in decline. Like at a certain point, there's enough, um, if there's enough of those groups that are not connecting back in, then that is uh, decline and decline and decline in the overall greater community. You might not have decline in that particular subgroup. You might have Tons of engagement. But if it is not finding a way to come back into the larger whole, then it's, um, then it, th there is no larger whole, right? So I think it's, um, the, it has to be the both and, you know, both decentralized and finding ways to connect back in with a larger, the larger group. So what would be some practical ways that you might invite a group or an individual to connect back in with the greater flow of what's moving on the congregational level? Um, well, I will say that that's, that's the, I mean, that's obviously the question that I didn't really go into in the sermon. Mm -hmm. And it is the thing that as I was um, th anticipating this Sunday and even in our hour before we were getting up to lead the service that I confessed to you, I was kind of worried um, that the sermon might not work <laughs> and that and it's mostly because of the question you just asked, which is that I don't really give any practical tips about what I just asked the question of, um, you know, what is the promise that you're making to lean back into the larger whole without any real direction about what that actually means? And I worried that it would be, you know, slightly like, a, like sometimes sermons are like a really good feeling, but actually um, are don't make that much sense they don't land in a um a, an action or a or they don't speak to you personally in your life and they kind of just they miss the mark on that and that was my fear on doing on this message because i think this idea of what are you promising how what is our covenant what is what is your covenant with the larger whole can be kind of um theoretical but not sufficiently personal for people's real lives. 
And at the same time, I also acknowledge that I kind of part of I, part of that, the reason I couldn't quite get to that in the sermon or I wasn't sure how to address it is that I really resist the practical application of that question because I think it can reduce what the what our promises really are and can lead us towards something that is like a to-do list instead of an orientation of the heart. So I think like overall where I hope people go when they think about this question of where, you know, what are our promises with a greater collective or a greater, greater common good, first of all, is through a, a real recomm- recommitment on, in your heart and an acknowledgement that there's something in your small experience that has been fed by a greater stream and in turn has, um, I'm resisting the word obligation because it sounds negative. Um, but there is a kind of duty or a duty of love and faithfulness to feed back to that um, to that source. And so that just that inner acknowledgement and uh, maybe reflection amongst whatever the informal or formal group that any of us are parts of. And then also um, to 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 really think and reflect very particularly on the blessing that you experience in any given setting and consider how that blessing, how you can give that blessing away and how we can, um, how this gift that you've received can become the gift you offer, which is where I think something transitions from like a nice social club to a covenant where the, the because you're experiencing a blessing that you you acknowledge you received from some some other source but you're experiencing it together you and then and then you you offer it back to someone beyond those who are participating in it so the the blessing you receive is the blessing you give is the blessing you receive is the blessing you give um and i think that partly why i wanted to off, like invite this reflection right now as i say i mean obviously it's september it's a nice time to be considering these questions but i think especially as we come out of the pandemic we recognize that there's a piece of this greater collective whole that we've all been disconnected from and so it's a time where we need to consider how even though we have felt kind of isolated maybe in some of us, we still feel kind of isolated, that there is a greater peace that we're connected to. And by re, re, um, I don't know, by strengthening those connections again, it can be a gift to that larger whole. It can give, um, more, it, it can animate and enliven the larger um, mission and ministry of our whole community. And it can be a greater blessing back to the whatever particular group or team or small bursts of love, as I say in the sermon, you're experiencing. I love that. And I love just how the practice of generosity blesses everyone. Um, It also just makes me think on a personal note, part of my experience of pandemic was, you know, having little pods, little text, group text threads in my personal life, even these little bubbles that sustained me and helped me survive and to ask myself, you know, even in my own personal life, what does it look like to take the blessing of those little pandemic nugget groups that kept me going and to invite other people in or to be generous with that energy and spread it 
in the world. I mean, I wonder if that's just part of the gesture of this time is a de-podding mm. of us. Mm. I are even I think to to first of all recognize that 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 those experiences were um they sustained you, but that doesn't mean that like there was not a limit in that sustaining so that that actually that that blessing is um is a source of a blessing that you can give so that like that there's something of thinking about i like the text string idea the group group text i'm just like okay so what like what would it mean to imagine this as a source of love and abundant um joy that i now have as a well in my life that i can give away and it, it just just to reframe it from being the thing that sustained you mm-hmm. to instead being a source that you now can tap into to sustain others. And just that slight reframe, instead of it being like uh, insular and instead expansive, I think is a real, um, just that little mindset shift, I think is a real gift that we can, that then we become more of a gift to the wider world. Yes. For me, part of that insular mindset is there's also a protective gesture there. And I know I felt that too in small groups I've been a part of in a congregational context where I want to protect the sweet thing. But there comes a point when, like so many things in life, that protective energy ends up kind of snuffing out Mm -hmm. a flame Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, lighting the world up. Um, Yes. And it ends up like actually inadvertently sending a message that it is it ends up limiting this this thing that you've loved mm-hmm. so that it it ends up putting an imaginative limit on what what that experience has been and i think what i'd invite us to just imagine that that actually those small interactions are um i talked in the sermon about how when two or more are gathered that that god is there that that scripture piece that to imagine that's really true and by god i mean the like infinite energy of love that abides across everything all time and space like if that's what's going on there then there is an infinite amount of um blessing that is that is available to us in those small interactions and that is a well that we can keep turning to for ourselves and it can be a source so i think it's just letting that be possible that much goodness could be from a text string that that actually could could be true and i think that's so it's instead of it feeling like oh we're just getting by with these small gestures and all we can do now is i'll just turn to my i'm so grateful for my group text because it sustained me to imagine no actually what's happening is god is it god is there and that we can um we can that we're by interacting like this we're 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 turning to and cultivating a well of love that will sustain not just us but the that's how we rebuild. That's how we, you know, have our new construction. You know, rewinding back to the very beginning of our conversation and you noting on how this is a moment that this, that so many of us are feeling exhausted, that there's still a lot of fatigue from the pandemic. I feel like this way of thinking about our relationships and our connections and the possibilities for the future feels so life-giving and it has its own time and its own rhythm 
And I want to thank you for inviting all of us into a different kind of time that's not coming out of a survival mentality, a scarcity mentality, or, you know, a consumer mentality or a immediate gratification mentality, but is really inviting us into this project of progressive growth and transformation and being okay with not knowing because it's only by letting ourselves not know and discover together that we're going to get to um, the place that we're destined for, the, the place that's the most beautiful place possible for us. The river. The river of life. Mm -hmm. And the, um, I mean, I think that's where the march of the song, I just, it comes to mind as you're describing that, that we shall gather at the river that, um, that we're, uh, this, one of my, the last verse of that hymn um, says something like, like, eventually our pilgrimage will be over <laughs> and we will arrive at the crystal clear waters of um of the river and i think there's something in that promise of recognizing that there's something where we're we get to celebrate together that we are we do get to enjoy um after all we've uh, all we've traveled we get to enjoy something really beautiful together well thank you gretchen i always I love talking with you. Thank so you. It's I've such been, a pleasure. Well, and I, I'm, I love talking with you. So, and I love talking about church and our future. So it's been a complete pleasure for me too. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just going to end on just a little fun fact note here. Because before we started recording, I mentioned how I feel uncomfortable around construction sites because I'm afraid I'm going to have an accident or screw something up or get in trouble. And... Would you just mind sharing with the listener your personal history with construction sites and being able to imagine spaces transforming? Yeah. Um, well, my dad's an architect. Um, and so I grew up on like construction sites are really part of my childhood. And um, like I, I was saying, my dad, um, he relates with his work similar to how I relate with my work. So in other words, he finds a lot of pleasure mm -hmm. in his work and um, so like fun times with my dad would be visiting the house he was he had designed and was being constructed. And we'd he'd walk me through like, you know, the frame and kind of look through what, you know, what like, oh, here there'll be glass block and here there'll be um a curved wall and this will be this. And then they'll walk in here and this is their master and this like just that whole whole experience. He did residential for quite a while, so a lot of it was imagining home. Wow. Um, but yeah, definitely. And then my mom later, when I was in high school, she started to do interiors. So both of them, that was like it was very that was very much my life. So this feels very like at home. And my dad, um, actually he did the early consulting with the construction team here um and so also partly when i said i i send pictures every day to my family of what's happening here it's because he is so invested in this next stage of um what's happening here at church so yeah yes it's, it's a, i feel very it's all like i said very i feel very at home with it uh -huh. that's fantastic well listener we hope that you feel very at home with us in these conversations and we're so glad that you joined us today on the foothills deeper pod if you have a moment, um, we hope that you share this episode in this podcast. And if you have a sec, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Have a great day and thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.